Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 253 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. I'm Patrick. He's Justin. Uh, Justin, the Jays are frustrating to watch. <laughs> uh, I don't know how else to put it. Yep. They swept Arizona, and then they got their asses beat. I don't like. I don't know what to make of this team. They're good. They beat teams they shouldn't, and then they lose to teams they shouldn't. They're bad on the road. They're good at home. It's just like I don't understand. They can't make a decision. I mean, they're on... four games over five hundred on the road. The, yeah, but that, the Tampa I'm Bay Rays are only one game over five hundred on the road because yeah, the Trop is a horrible place. It is. Yeah. I mean, going back to last time we recorded, the obviously the Diamondback sweep was a big w yeah um losing uh nine to one and two nothing to san diego sucked the four nothing win was a good way to kind of bounce back but then they went ahead and uh lost two very close games against seattle and squeezed the third one uh and then took the series off of the la dodgers who have been good for like a decade Mm -hmm. so (laughs) I, I don't know what this team is anymore. Yeah. It, they're running out of games to decide. We've got a trade deadline coming up and a big series against the Angels, followed by a huge series at home against Baltimore. I, I don't <laughs> know, man. I mean, we're not really going to – I'm not going to dive too much into the recaps on games, but if you look at just how the Jays – like these these six games, the Mariners and the Dodgers, the Jays were winning in all of them. At one point, they blew the first two games to the Mariners, and then won the third game, and then they won the first game in L.A. and then blew the th- the second game in epic fashion, and then yeah. annihilated them in the third game. So you're looking at a road trip that was three and three that could have been six and zero oh if they had held those games. The the bullpen um, has just been – they've been so good. I think we kind of got used to them just, like, being automatic. And this road trip has kind of reminded us that even your best pitchers, I'm thinking, like, Eric Swanson and Jordan Romano. Yeah, getting can, up. Yeah, yeah, and that's why nobody goes a full season with a zero ERA, right? Eventually, you're going to give up a run. And oftentimes, with a reliever, those runs typically come in multiples, right? It's not usually just one. Um, Nate Pearson gave up like four runs and ended up getting sent to the minors when they traded for Yannis Cabrera, who we'll discuss on today's show. But it's just the way it goes, right? Sometimes sometimes your bullpen is elite for a month, and then sometimes they'll have a rough week. And I mean, it's just it's a course correct. It's why numbers are the way they are. Yeah, I agree with you. I'll say this too. It's really important when it comes to the Jays that they win – as much as possible in the next little stretch because it's t- they're tough games but they're against divisional opponents right uh today after today they have 17 games in 17 days yeah it's a busy um, busy three weeks <laughs> yeah it's just going to be four against baltimore three against boston four against cleveland three against the cubbies and then of course the four against anaheim which we will or not anaheim los angeles uh, who will preview tonight, and then they finally have a day off August the 14th. Uh, two things of note that I'll mention in that long stretch. Jose Batista to the level of excellence. 
is on the 12th right. against Cubs. Yeah, everybody forgot about that, but we nice. didn't. I'm so happy we're doing that. Blue Jays, Caribbean, Carnival Friday, Grateful Dead Day, Saturday, and then <laughs> Junior Jays Sunday against the Angels. Weird collection of gimmicks, but okay, whatever. Whatever I'm gets super, butts I'm super pumped again. for the Bautista thing. That's awesome. August the 12th, man. And it's... it's I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Never mind. I was going to say something, but the trade deadline might ruin it. Let's move good. on. We yeah. don't even know who's going to be a J in <laughs> yeah. a few days' time. So let's just focus on what's in front of us. Let's dive right into the the trade. Yenesis Cabrera traded to the Toronto Blue Jays Correct. Uh, in exchange for... Uh, what do we what do we trade for him? <laughs> How does it work exactly? Um, so the Yanis Cabrera deal was for a uh, minor league catcher, Sammy Hernandez. There it is. Um, and to make room on the forty man roster for Cabrera, Trent Thornton was designated for assignment. Um, mm. Sammy Hernandez Patrick was playing for um, Dunedin this year had some time between the uh, complex league he's 19 years old uh in the complex league had a 261 batting average with an 860 ops was moved up to tunedin where he was only hitting 191 with a 558 ops but it's 19 years old not it's i mean you can't really say like what he's going to turn into because it's he's 19 um, can i say i'm gonna say something it's not supposed to be funny because like i yeah. actually I liked Butters. I think he still had something. Sure. Uh, seeing his picture now on MLB.com, he looks fucking miserable for starters. Yeah. Uh, but he still looks like that same old tax accountant. Yep. Wearing a hat way too big for his <laughs> head, uh, but also does not look happy that he yeah. was traded. It makes me sad because, like, he was in that era of Jay, like, when the Jays were bad and then they started to get good. He was obviously 2020 wasn't really, I think yeah. he was hurt. 2021, he was not good. 2022, he was much better mm -hmm. and they just ran out of space for him. Yep. That's just the way she goes. You either set yourself apart and stay long-term like Tim Meza has, or you end up going on that bullpen carousel and rotating teams for throughout your career. But, uh, Genesis Cabrera, Patrick, um, a guy who does really well against lefties. He's been with the St. Louis Cardinals since 2019 uh, in the big leagues. Uh, came up at age 22. He's been pre predominantly a reliever. I think he actually opened a couple of games for the Cardinals last year. He had two starts in his first season, but that was when everybody was doing like the opener. Um, career 407 ERA. Uh, his splits against lefties especially this season, are very good. Lefty's only hitting 203 against him with an OPS of below 600. Or just above 600, sorry, which is actually very, very low. It's a good number. Righties, on the other hand, are actually hitting almost 300 against them, and their OPS is uh, over 900. So avoid righties, or close to 900, just below 900. But uh, as long as he can avoid right-handed batters, he's doing well. 25 strikeouts to only six walks against the lefties. And his first two games, the Blue Jays have gone really well. He pitched three innings against the Dodgers. His first game out had a clean inning with a strikeout. And then in uh, yesterday's, or two days ago, excuse me, on game two, he threw two innings, 
gave up one hit, struck out three, and didn't allow a walk. Faced seven batters. So uh, definitely a guy who, so far, so good for the Blue Jays. Yeah, he was uh, like he was kind of stretched uh, a few t- quite a few times. I see that, yeah, with the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, most of the times he got stretched, he he got roughed up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not really con- to me. I'm not really overly concerned with the, with whatever his numbers are. He's a guy that gets generates strikeouts. Sure. Um, he's going to be someone who can take some of the pressure off of Tim Meza. Definitely. Um, but they're still going to want to use Tim Meza, uh, you know, they're going to want to deploy him the same amount. It's just, it'll be probably different circumstances. Cabrera's splits against lefties. I mean, I can't see them right now, but I know that they're, they're good. Uh, pretty, <laughs> yeah, they're good. Um, I think really what this comes down to is like this is just a net improvement. Yes. Regardless of where Cabrera lands, if he stays with the team or if he gets optioned, does he have options? Uh, he does have a minor league option. This is his last option year, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So there so is, this is flexibility there. Yeah, this is depth. This will give them an opportunity to to see if he succeeds. Where yeah. uh, Trent Thornton had struggles. Um, and I mean, you could see, depending on who you're facing and who they have for, for lefties, if they have any big names, like, for example, Shohei Otani, you'll probably see Cabrera and Meza get a lot of late inning, outing, or late inning time against him, especially. Yeah. Um, but say you go to your next series and they don't have a ton of lefties, then you could always rotate Cabrera for Nate Pearson and bring Pearson back up as, as another righty, you know? Like, it's... Yeah, because he has options that gives you, like you said, that flexibility. So, yeah, they and the thing is, like, they're going to be keeping Nate ready. Yes, uh, the, he'll be back up. I, yeah, the move to Buffalo is basically to keep him, uh, like, throwing as yeah. often as possible. He's had some uh, a couple of difficult performances recently. Nothing that would justify deep concern. So I think for now, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, I, I think it's a net positive for the team, and that's kind of all we have to look at it. Uh, it sucks to see a 10-year J DFA'd or traded, uh, but it's probably just best for Butters to have a fresh start somewhere else. And that's it. That's really all we can say about the trade. Um, do we want to talk about the Mariner series very much? No, I mean, I think we, people know what happened. Um, we don't have to dive too, too far into it. Um, it pains me to say this, but Alec Manoa, he was, uh, he was good enough. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is like, it's enough. It's, I, it shouldn't be enough to keep him on the roster because he's still, if you're giving up you know, three runs a game and you're not getting this through six innings. Like that's not a good start. Um, he was two outs away from a quality start, but yeah, again, the, the walks, walks are, right? He has nine walks since he's returned In to 14 games. strikeouts, which is not bad. Uh, the whip though is concerning. He, he's given up a lot of hits 
and a lot of walks. And that I just his numbers are actually worse now since he's returned to the team. Um, I think he's one one more non-quality start away from being optioned back down, and the Jays are just gonna have to uh, slap Ryu into that position. Yeah, or make a trade. You know, like there's yeah. It's it's tough, and I mean, he's going to go against the Angels this weekend, and the Angels are hot right now. Like they're looking if they're going to sweep a yeah. doubleheader against the Tigers today. Um, they're already eight and two in their last ten games, and playing really well. They'll they'll be on a four game win streak should they be able to complete this doubleheader sweep coming into a game. And I mean, they're going to be hot on the heels of the Jays, right? They're currently. As we stand, they're three and a half games out of the wild card. If they win this game against Detroit, they'll be three games back. So, I mean, a sweep of the Blue Jays and they both teams would be tied. So it's like this: the Angels are—they've announced that they're not trading Shohei Otani. They're gonna go and they're gonna be buyers at the trade deadline, and they traded for Lucas Giolito today, Patrick, from the White Sox, yeah. or yesterday, whenever it was, last night, sometime. And he's actually going to start tomorrow in, against Kevin Gosman. Originally, it was going to be Shohei, but when they had the rainout yesterday, they moved Shohei up to today. And he threw a complete game shutout in game one. So at least the Blue Jays won't have to face Otani on the mound, but they're going to get a heavy dose of him as a DH all three games, I would imagine. So. Yep. Um, and uh, the it's worth yeah. noting, though, that the Angels have already won a game today, 6 nothing over the Tigers, and they're up 8-2. to Yep. Uh, in the second game of a doubleheader, Otani has two home runs in the second game. <laughs> so yeah. at least we won't have to face him and his pitching because he had a complete game shutout one hitter uh, about two and a half hours ago. So <laughs> Yeah, no Mike Trout for the Angels. He's still recovering from the broken uh, hamate bone in his hand. So It's like the only thing that makes me think we're not going to get our asses kicked. Yeah, no Mike Trout. No Mike Trout. Um, <laughs> so that's... Good news for the Blue Jays, bad news for baseball fans, because uh, I know lots of people had this series kind of circled on their calendar as a uh, a good uh, week to go to tr- a good weekend to go to Toronto to watch a series. Yeah, th- well, um, the, this is really the um, a good measuring stick because yep. the Angels are on the outside looking in. If they win this second game, they'll be three games back of the Jays going into the series. So. If they sweep Toronto, they could be tied for a wild card spot. Yeah, and no, um, no Anthony Rendon either. I believe he's on the injured list as well. So, yeah, I'm not yeah. so much worried about I'm Anthony so Rendon about him, these but days. That's but a couple of couple of names, him and Trout, who won't be, won't be there. Um, but you will have a major league home run leader in Otani. He has 38 home runs now, which is crazy as a guy who just threw a complete I, he's, game. Do you think he's going to hit 62? Uh, I would love it if he did. Remember yesterday, I think I told you he had hit 29 home runs in, or not 29. Um, it was 27 at the time. To it was break like 27 it. in 59 games. And to, he's, to break, that, was, that would have been to hit 63. Now he's hit two today in, in two games, essentially, because he pitched it. Yeah, hit. so, there, so he's down to like 56 ga- uh, games, yeah. but he's got 38 home he runs. He needs 20 home, 24 home runs to tie the record that Judge set last season. In 56 games. In 56 games. Or something like so that. So it's a home run every two point. Two games. Two games, basically. Yeah. Whatever the math works out to. 
Um, so yeah, I'm not a mathematician. I can't do. I, it'd I'm be not a, good with fractions. Yeah, it'd be just over two two games. He has to hit a home run every every two games or so to to tie the record. Which if, I mean, you know it's what's not crazy though? Landish. Yeah. If okay, so we talk about this and we talk about how, like Otani is as good a hitter as anybody in baseball, and mm-hmm. he's as good a pitcher. Yeah. And like last year was like he had a slight regression. And was still second in MVP. Right. I we haven't seen a player this good at anything. Like no, he, he's just good at literally every component of the game. Yeah, and, and he's fast too. Like he's got the capacity to steal bases as well. So I it um, just I don't understand where like he just like it's like he came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was like uh, he arrived on the scene, and he's just been the best yeah, player he's got since. Twelve stolen bases this year in sixteen attempts as well. So it's like he's he's, just he's so a, good. The true, I wouldn't say he's a five-tool player because he doesn't field. Um, but he's definitely a four-tool player. He's got everything except the fielding. Because he's too busy hitting bombs and striking out people. I so. bet if he played first base, he would be good. Probably, yeah, too, but probably, but yeah, most likely doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't need to. His, the man's going to get paid this offseason regardless. Losing two tight games against the Mariners really sucks. For one thing, their fans have a, like a hate boner against the Jays because every time uh, they play the Jays in their home barn, it gets filled up with Jays fans, and I guess they just don't like it. Um, but whatever. We did get the third game off them. Uh, I think that's it for us against the Mariners for the season. So I think they take the series, if I'm not mistaken. I believe, but, is, I, believe I thought it was a series split because then the Blue Jays win two to three in Toronto. I don't remember. Yeah. You can look that up while I talk about the Dodgers, who are obviously. I mean, not only do they have one of the most sophisticated farm systems in all of baseball and have since like yep, the Branch Rick era. Is a series split? Okay, well, that's good. Um, That means they blew a chance at a win. But anyway, we won't be negative. Dodgers are one of the best-run teams in baseball. Um, Almost swept the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, but the late late lead in the second game didn't happen. Uh, We blew it. That sucks. It is what it is. Let's move on. Um, Clutch Danny Jansen home run clutch jay jackson performance and then he immediately gets on a plane yeah and flies flies to go flies to utah to be with his wife who just gave birth to their uh their baby uh what was it 15 15 weeks early so baby's in intensive the nicu neonatal intensive care um and so he's he was back there last night for bedtime stories with his reading through through the the class to his baby so that's pretty pretty awesome <laughs> what a badass he absolutely, makes you really cheer for the guy <laughs> yeah yeah he absolutely destroys the dodgers and then just yeah gets on a plane goes yeah. home sees his wife he pitched two innings twice in that series against the dodgers so he did he's been good yeah uh the thing that makes me happy is that you know he, he wasn't really expected to do much for us um but he's he's performed he's exceed far exceeded expectations since his uh, him him coming to the team, it all begs the question though: At what point are we going to start looking at who's up on this roster? 
and uh, the elephant in the room is, is Mitch White. At what point are they just going to fire him into the sun? Uh, um, it hasn't happened yet, and it makes me fearful that it will never happen. <laughs> but I know that it will. I think that it's just a matter of yeah. time. He's got to be the he's he's got to be the the guy who's at the the fortieth spot on the forty man roster right now. There's nobody else that is deserving of being kicked. Yeah, off there's time besides him. There's time, Justin, for them to sort all of that out, but not too much time. With the deadline coming, they need to make room for Hwanjin Ryu, and they need to make room for Chad Green if they're both ready to go in the next couple days. And if not, they're going to need to make decisions when it comes to trades. The Jays need to have at least five serviceable starters for the stretch run. Uh, Alec Manoa, I don't think, is there. So is Juan Jin Ryu ready to start? And if not, then they need somebody. I would argue they should still get a sixth starter just to add depth to this team. At this point, I expect nothing out of Ryu. Um, so, trading for a starter is a great idea. We ran through the list a little bit before the show of who's available. There are a lot of pitchers that are on expiring contracts that are worth considering. Blake Snell, a guy that gets lots of strikeouts. Uh, Marcus Stroman, boy, that'd be a story. I don't know if that's going to happen, though. I if they have their choice, do you think Stroman or Snell? Uh, man. <laughs> I think that's a coin flip. I, I have no preference, personally. We just saw Snell pitch against the Blue Jays, like, two weeks ago. And we we know him well from his time with Tampa, and obviously everyone knows Marcus Stroman from his time with the Blue Jays, but holy, that's... Whichever one's cheaper, I guess. <laughs> the bit, Blake, uh, Blake Snell's biggest weakness this year has been the walk, walks are a major problem. Yeah, It's one of the reasons why his whip isn't elite. It's still good at 2.272. And he actually leads uh, the league in uh, ERA at 2.61 for this year's thus far. Hmm. Uh, so... I don't know, man. I like the idea of having a, a guy who can K that many uh, that many batters. But the Marcus Stroman of it all is kind of, oh, man, it's so, such an attractive story. Pick him up, go to the playoffs with Marcus Stroman. The numbers say Blake Snell is the smart choice. Uh, Stroman has that extra option, but he's going to decline it to get paid. Yeah, I would uh, I would argue that Snell's pitching in the tougher division as well, with the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks being good this year, whereas yeah, this, the, the NL Central is kind of just dog water because the Cardinals yeah. aren't good, and the Pirates aren't very good, and it's a tough like call. the Reds are. But I mean, it's, the Brewers are always okay. But like, it's like none of those teams have what I would call like an elite offense. Yeah, but I, if Blake Snell is confirmed to be on the market, I think Bob Nightingale tweeted something that he and Josh Hader are definitely going to get traded. Oh, so if, if Bob's there, then it's not they're not trading them then. Because Bob's oh, always okay. wrong. That's, 
Well, okay, whatever. Anyway, let's just Boob. assume that he's not wrong. Boob Nightingale. Yeah, I don't know. I I have no preference personally. Setting aside my personal feelings about Marcus Stroman and some of some of the off the field stuff that he's done in his career, or said. Yeah. I mean, the guy's a tremendous peddler, great pitcher. I have no doubt that he could step into a big game situation and excel. Um, Blake Snell, the same. I, I like lefties, so I always like Blake Snell for that reason. He's a lefty that strikes guys out like a fucking yep. fiend. It, it would be nice to have that in, in the rotation as well, but it, it's, it's really, it's really going to be interesting to see how they address this the starting rotation at the deadline because, I mean, with Ryu appearing to be ready to return like any day now, essentially, they've already got six Major League starters on their team. And Ryu obviously can't be optioned, so I mean, the guy, if, if anyone's being optioned, it's Alec Manoa. Yeah. And then you pot, you slot Ryu in, but what if what if Ryu isn't doing well? You know, like what if he comes back and just can't get it done at the big league level? Okay, then so what do here's you do? here's the maximum drama. They they trade for Stroman, they option Manoa, and as a result, Marcus Stroman can wear number six. Does it work like that? I don't know. Can you imagine having to fight with Marcus Stroman over the fucking jersey number? <laughs> I just want to s- the chaos that that trading for Stroman is going to bring. I just part of me wants it. Yeah. Like I want the smoke. Like I just I want <laughs> I want the drama. Uh, you don't really get that with Blake Snell. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, and really, if anything, this is flattering for Stroman. Uh, he probably costs more to get. Blake Snell's on an expiring contract, and there's no negotiation. Like it's just he's coming and then probably going at the end of the season. Um, and then on top of that, do you want some relief help? Obviously, you're not going to trade for Josh Hader because he's going to cost you more. And um, I don't know that you need him. You have Jordan Romano. You have a closer already, so like you don't need two. What you really need is a reliever who can give you qual like one to two innings, high leverage. Preferably a lefty. There are a lot of St. Louis Cardinals players that are probably going to be on a new team in the next week. There might be something there. Jordan Hicks, Jordan Montgomery, among others, are probably up for sale. Yeah. Uh, and there are, I think, both. No, I'm not sure if Hicks is on an expiring contract or not. The point is, if guys are on expiring contracts, those are going to be easier trades to make. Uh, we are going to have to deal with the fact that Baltimore has a super deep farm system right now, and they'll be able to outbid us for guys with team control. So yeah, you got to look at it like... You have to look at the rental market a little bit. Both Snell and Stroman are viable options. Cody Bellinger should be on Toronto's radar. They might have to compete against the Yankees and or Baltimore and or Tampa in order to acquire his services. But there are options out there for the Jays to improve without having to give up very much. And on top of that, the roster decisions that have to get made are not really... I don't think they're as complicated as we think they are. 
Um, we went over this before the show. Thomas Hatch would be an easy DFA, or yeah. what do you call it when you take them off the 40-man? Does need for assignment, yep. That's a DFA. Uh, you may want to consider Zach Pop, or you could wait another year. Um, Mitch White, I think, is pretty obvious that he is the yeah. odd man out. God, please. Um, you could roll the dice and DFA Tyler Heineman. Uh, and then hope that nobody gets injured or that you don't get forced into using uh, Brantley or even Dalton Varsho as your backup. That scares me. Um, And then Ernie Clement, unfortunately, despite the fact that he has come up and uh, was three for seven with a couple RBIs and a stolen base for us in his brief but memorable appearance. Mm Mm-hmm. He might be a guy that's an easy, uh, you know, an easy guy to DFA. And then on top of that, they're obviously going to have to make trades. Yeah, and I mean, you've got guys like Spencer Horwitz and Addison Barger who are now kind of mashing in in Buffalo. And so is David Schneider. He's He's got 20 home runs down there now, too, a guy who can play yeah. infield and outfield. So you've got kind of three prospects who are starting to play better as well, too, and are going to start knocking on that door a little bit. Good news is that uh, Horwitz is already obviously on the 40-man roster, so that makes it mm-hmm. easier to call him up, and we have seen him already this year. So, But you got to be smart, too. Um, you have to ask yourself, you know, do you trade Otto Lopez for someone who's going to be gone in three months? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't think you do. Aurelis Martinez should only be traded for someone who has extensive team control. For, and then it's for me, Otto Lopez is a guy that I have no problem trading. I think we've kind of... I, I, I know it's not true, but I, I don't see him ever like starting for this team, you know? He won't. Um, but the issue is that you don't... He's worth quite a bit. He's a very he's a young guy who still has a little bit of runway before he become he ages out of being a prospect. Uh, he's having a down year, which means his value is down from last year. Um, I just think if you're gonna trade him, it's got to be for somebody with team control. It's not gonna be for a rental like Cody Bellinger, Marcus Stroman, or Blake Snell. I think it has to be somebody who has like a couple years left. Or at least that's my hope. Because, again, the Jays have gutted their farm like a few years in a row. Yeah. I mean, our, we only have one prospect in the top 100. Not that that's the be-all and end-all, because obviously this team is trying to win now. Mm-hmm. But they're also competing against teams that are trying to win now that have like eight times Baltimore. the number of top 100 <laughs> prospects. Yeah, Baltimore is set up right now. They're going to be... Uh, they're a problem the, already, and they're going to be a problem for the next five plus years, if not longer. Yeah, their window is open the same as ours. They've actually, in a way, they've kind of pa- blown past us. In a sense, that so far this season, anyway. Yep. Yeah. So, Still no playoff success for them either recently. So that's. Well, yeah, but we have won the same, same. number of playoff games since 2020. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. That's that's a depressing thought, but the thing is. It's not worth getting into a bidding war with them. There's nobody out there that's going to push this team that far up the contender list unless it's somebody who changes the landscape yeah. of the lineup and every an, night. 
and I think you you're, you're totally right about Baltimore as well. Like, and they they're they need starting rotation help more than the Blue Jays do because way more. None of their guys outside of I think Kyle Gibson have really ever started in the playoffs before. Like Dean Kremer, I don't think he's ever had a playoff start. No. And I think he's their quote unquote ace this season. <laughs> it's just like their their rotation and their defense are their two biggest weaknesses. And I think that's what they're going to look to address. They don't really have any problems scoring runs. No, they're um, all about clapping bombs. Yeah, that's they, the hit, thing they, is hit, like, they hit a lot of dingers and they're like, a lot of runs. They're basically like the 2020 Jays, where it was all about clapping bombs, and then yeah. hopefully your starters give you enough that you can yeah. survive off of the strength like, of like yeah. your misfit bullpen. The Blue Jays like, and the Orioles had the exact same run differential at plus 46, but Baltimore has scored like 29 more runs like the the total like offensive numbers at this point in the season aren't that far off between the two but obviously the blue jays are winning a lot more close games and losing a lot more close games they had two one run losses or three one run losses on this road trip and all three games they lost were one run and they won a bunch of one run games too so it's just like the blue jays are playing tight games and their expected win loss record in Baltimore is they they both have fifty six wins just based on their their sheer numbers. Whereas Tampa is actually underperforming now because they've kind of fallen back to earth a little bit. They're eight, two and eight in their last ten games. Um, yeah, they're five and fifteen or something. Yeah, like nobody that in the, the division is like is blowing anybody out of the water right now. Boston's got the best last ten game record at six and four, and then the Jays, Yankees, and Orioles are all five and five. So it's like this this division nobody's really gaining any ground or losing any ground right now. So, I mean, the Jays need to start going on some runs, especially when they're not playing their own division, so that if any of the other teams lose, they can gain a game, you know? It's like... Yeah, that's the thing, though, is, like, the difference between Baltimore and Toronto is their divisional records. Sure. Toronto uh, is absolutely abysmal against divisional opponents, while the Baltimore Orioles are are better. Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to bring up what their divisional record is. Baltimore right is now. 19 and 12. Tampa is 18 and 13. Boston is 16 and 13. The Yankees are 13 and 17 and the Jays are 7 and 20. Yeah. Um the difference though as well. <laughs> the the way that it kind of comes back around to kind of be a wash is that the Jays have the best record against non-divisional opponents in baseball. Yeah. Or at least they did going into this week. Yeah. While yeah. Baltimore certainly yeah. does not that's very true and i think the thing like baltimore and the yankees are playing each other this weekend so the jays are going to either lose ground to baltimore or gain ground on on baltimore depending on what the yankees can do and what the jays do tampa's going to houston and houston's a good team obviously so i mean there there's no there's no easy series happening and then boston's playing the giants and the giants are still kind of hanging around they're second place in their division now only three games back of the dodgers and own a wild card spot so nobody in the division has an easy series this weekend um every team is playing a playoff contender so it's like there's there's gonna be some shakeups that could happen just in the next like three days in this division so I think so, and the th- what's really interesting too is with all of that, nobody's season really is going to end. No. With with getting swept, I, the worst case scenario, uh, the Jays get swept, which brings the L, uh, Los Angeles Angels into a tie with them, 
They could be passed by Boston. They could be passed by New York, but it would take, again, they have sweep to sweep on their those opponents. Teams. Yeah. Um, best case scenario is Toronto sweeps and Tampa and Baltimore sweep, at which point we would be pretty secure in the second wild card position. Yeah, see, and I'm actually hoping the Yankees sweep Baltimore because I'd like to see the Jays get closer to the top of the division. But I'm mixed because on one hand, I do want the Yankees to get flushed. On the other <laughs> hand, I do like the idea of not being yeah. completely out of the division. I mean, race. You're, yeah, you're, you're five game, you're five wins below Baltimore and six losses that they've played. The Jays have played one extra game right now. But you still have, I think, seven games left against Baltimore. So you'd, you'd like to keep, you'd like to get that, that lead down. And Baltimore's coming to town right after the Angels for Next week, four yeah. games, Monday through Thursday. They got to so, I mean, dummy them. They if got you, to dummy the Orioles. If you can, if the Orioles can somehow lose two to three to the Yankees and the Jays can win two to three against the the Angels and be say four and a half games back going into that Monday series, then maybe if the Jays can win three out of four, you gain another couple games and you're right there again. You know, like it's the the destiny is still in there as it's in their own hands because they still have plenty of time or plenty of games left against Tampa and Baltimore, the teams that are ahead of them. And they finished the season against. They played Tampa six times in their last nine games. That's the next time they'll do, do see Tampa Bay. They play Baltimore like once here at the end of July, and then six times in August, and that'll be the end of it against Baltimore. So you've got to do well enough in those seven games against Baltimore to keep yourself close to them, or else you're just going to fall too far behind. You have to win at least five of them. To be I'd say you got to win you. five of the seven. Yeah, I was. I'm thinking the same thing. Because they're in such a huge goddamn hole in the divisional race yeah like the jays are they're not going to get to 500 in their division but they've got to no. win the games now um at like a 700 or, se- or better winning percentage just to like kind of salvage especially against tampa and baltimore just to salvage the the season and against the division and still have a shot to somehow win the division while having the worst record against their division it would be absolutely insane I don't know if that's ever been done before, but it's hard, obviously. But the fact that, like you said, that they are doing so well against non-divisional opponents has really saved the season in that sense. Yeah. Let's just let's just wrap up our, our preview here of the Angels yeah. series. This is a big one. No Shohei start, obviously, because he started today. Thankfully. We've got Lucas Giolito versus Kevin Gossman. Yeah, freshly acquired Giolito. Um, man, imagine Kevin Gossman run support. He would he would have like twenty five wins. Yeah. It's, it's so frustrating. Anyway, that would be nice. Detmers versus Manoa on Saturday. It is what it is. We've talked about this. I think Manoa is one non quality start away from getting option back down and yep. replaced by Hunjin Ryu, or you know someone who we trade for. And then Sunday is Anderson versus Jose Barrios. Can we talk about Jose Barrios right right now? I I don't want to wait any longer. We can. Holy shit, the turnaround. Jose Barrios has a 3.4 ERA this year. Yep. He has been really good, and nobody is talking about it, and I I don't understand why. I kind of like that nobody's talking about it. I just want him to just continue just flying under the radar a little bit. This is his best season uh of his career yeah and after after <laughs> last year what a, what a turnaround right like 
I know the shitty thing is his record doesn't really reflect it, and part of the problem yeah. is again run support. Run support. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be frustrating for him, but I don't think he gives a shit about wins and losses. This guy put in the time; he worked his ass off. Yeah. To be ready for this season, and he has been terrific. I agree. Can't be mad at it. Nope, you can't. Um, quick note on Giolito. The Jays just faced him like three weeks ago on July the 4th <laughs> yeah. in that White Sox series, and they won that game 4-3. to three. He went six innings against them, gave up two earned runs on four hits, walked two, struck out four, and that was the game where uh, um, Guerrero hit that home run off of Joe Kelly in the eighth inning to kind of win the game for the Blue Jays, put them ahead. Four to three, which was the final score. So I mean, Giolito's just the Jays. The Jays are very familiar with him. They've seen him plenty of times before. So it's not going to be like they're facing some some newbie that they don't know quite well. I mean, you've got guys like uh, Guerrero. Guerrero's got 16 at bats against him. Merrifield's got 44 at bats against him from all their time playing against each other with the White the White Sox and the Royals. So like everybody on the Blue Jays roster right now for bats, I'll have at bats against this guy even jordan luplo has a couple at bats against him so nobody no, nobody is coming in fresh whereas if you look at the angels versus gosman there are only a handful of angels who even have at bats against him and the only one who's had any success is mike mike moose tacos like moustakas <laughs> he's hitting 385 and 13 ab's with uh, two homers but i mean otani's over six against him would you like to see and you hope it stays that way so it's uh a little bit of a experience mismatch in the game one in terms of, of offense anyway. It'll be a good matchup, though. Like, it's interesting to see this right off the bat on Friday. Yeah. Giolito jumping right into it. Yep. Uh, Reed, Reed Detmers is 24 years old. He's a flamethrower. He's got uh, an excellent fastball. Uh, he's in the 87th percentile for K percentage. He gives up an average number of walks, but he does get hit real hard yeah. uh the big thing with i think the jay should focus on with him is uh try to sit on off speed slider curveball those are his two weaker pitches for sure and he faced the blue jays on april the 9th patrick in that series um in actually LA. i take it back his four seamer they could sit on fastball and i think they'd be okay yeah. i think they don't want to sit on slider and curveball. I'm reading. I read it the opposite because I'm stupid oh, yeah. today. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm very tired. Uh, the the heat map for the fastball is pretty solid. Slider, yeah, there's a lot in the zone. I don't know if that's necessarily what you want to see. Uh, and then the curveball is middle-middle or pretty close to it. I don't know if that's what you want to see either. I'll be interested to see his picks match up, but he's not somebody that scares me. I, I don't check under my bed at night for Reed Detmers. I do uh, for Lucas Giolito because I just, like, yeah. know him. And We've seen him. Detmers gave up five runs, four earned, and five innings against the Blue Jays in the, his second start of the season back in April. Yeah. Um, recently, he's pitched against Pittsburgh, Houston, the Dodgers, and Arizona, so he's kind of gotten his fill of the – the National League and then the Astros. I'm going to assume he gives up home runs. Yes. I'm going to assume Anderson refers to, to Tyler Anderson. That's correct. Yeah. Tyler. Anderson. Um, the thing with Tyler Anderson is he gives up a lot of walks. He does not strike guys out. 
Uh, he limits hard contact like nobody else. Um, yeah, another lefty. <laughs> it's, his stuff is, is underwhelming as far as speed goes, but it's all about location with him. Yep. Um, oh, God. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think he might actually have like uh, a decent cutter. Um, he also pitched against the Blue Jays that first series of the year. Patrick, four and two-thirds innings, five earned runs on seven hits, including three earned runs – or three home runs, excuse me. So His fastball isn't very good. He could sit fastball. They could sit yeah. fastball all weekend and probably yeah. do well. He's a guy he – he has a positive – he has a five and two record, but his ERA is over five. So he's obviously getting plenty of run support. A 1.55 whip. You don't check under your bed at night for him. No. I really – I see two wins here, especially with no Mike Trout and no Anthony Rendon. This Angels team is sort of overachieved in recent uh, yeah. weeks, and it's all kind of propelled by Shohei Otani, and I feel like the key to this series is just pitch away from Shohei Otani. Yeah. Force him to swing at crap outside the zone. Go ahead, take your base. I don't give are a you, shit. Are you nobody ready to after be, him to drive him in. Are you ready to be mad about something? So the only game that you'll be able to watch on Sportsnet this weekend is Saturday's game. Friday night's an Apple TV game, and Sunday Ugh. morning is that stupid Peacock TV game. So I'm still riding the free trial um, of mine's Apple over. TV, mine and every time month. that I go, every time I go in to the MLB app, there's another two month <laughs> trial. So oh, I see. I'm just gonna ride the lightning and. Uh, <laughs> probably yeah. just keep doing that i'm not so. gonna watch the apple tv broadcast anyway yeah so friday night's game is a 707 eastern time start on apple tv plus you can still listen to the game on the rogers sportsnet radio network with ben, ben wagner. wagner that's what i'll be doing i i have i have to umpire to run it anyway so i'll be able to catch the first couple innings saturday's game is a 307 eastern time that one's on sportsnet and then Sunday is at 12.05 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a noon start time for you wow. Eastern timers. And not for me. It'll not for you. You're a one, it's a 10.05 a.m. for me. So I'll be able to watch baseball right like after that. Formula One. But I can't this weekend because it's on Peacock. So I'll be listening on the radio again, which means I'll be able to do other stuff on with, with my Sunday while I listen to Ben Wagner. So um, yeah, keep that in mind, folks who are trying to watch baseball this weekend, unless you have three different streaming services or if you pay for cable and still have cable for sportsnet just two streaming services but uh prepare to get subscriptions to death um but yeah so peacock on sunday apple tv friday night sportsnet on saturday radio network available for all three games though so keep that in mind by the time we come back on sunday there could be some trades so there might actually be more to talk about as yeah far as trade deadline is on like. uh tuesday first of august so um there's only five more full days left not including today or four more full days left not including today before the trade deadline so yeah i'm uh, i expect to be underwhelmed by the toronto uh blue jay acquisitions but let's just have fun with it before we close out the show yeah what do you see as our top three toronto blue jay needs and uh who are your who are your targets (laughs) Yeah, I don't really. I I I've had a hard time getting emotionally invested in this trade deadline. I just don't really know like who the best fits are because I I'd love to see like like a Sneller or Stroman on here like we've like we've been talking about, and I mean apparently the Dodgers are looking into like trading for Nolan Arenado from the Cardinals because he's willing to waive his no trade clause to go to them apparently. So there's like there's a lot of kind of guys who are on the market. 
Um, and like Jordan Hicks is on the market, like you've already mentioned, Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty. But it's like who do who do the Jays really need? And I think the Blue Jays, the the three needs that they have, I would put a bat as their top need. Even though the offense has come around the last couple of weeks and been able to score more than like three runs a game for the most part. I still think they need an outfielder, a right-handed outfielder, I'd say, because right now you're left-hand heavy out there with with uh, Varsho and Kiermaier. You have Merrifield, who's been playing out there quite a bit, but and then Springer, obviously, but Springer's in a super big slump. Um, so I think, I think I'd love to get a right-handed outfielder to replace Jordan Luplo, because obviously Luplo is the low man on the 26-man roster right now. And one of the low men on the 40 man as well, too. So if you can get somebody to replace him, I think that would be ideal. Uh, and then this, the, really the, I think they have two big needs. It's, it's a right-handed bat and another bullpen arm. I would love to see like a big bullpen arm come in. Like a, a guy who maybe has like closer experience or like just high leverage. I think there's another, there's room, there's room in the stable for another one of those guys. Because right now your eighth bullpen arm is Mitch White, who is about as useful as a, like a pack of used baseballs. So it's like you you got to find a way to to remove Mitch White from the roster, and that means bringing in another bullpen arm. So somebody with some velocity, please. So yeah, maybe Jordan Hicks. I mean, he's been okay this year. Um, he's got a three oh two FIP which is good. <laughs> so, I mean, and he throws hard, right? So, I mean, that's that's always nice. It's like three, 31% strikeout percentage, which is good. But uh, a few more walks than you'd like to see. But I think the strikeout rate is worth it. Genesis Cabrera is the same. Walks more guys than you'd like. But I think if you can do a better job of limiting Cabrera's appearances against righties and then obviously putting Hicks in positions to succeed and maybe not bringing him in when, he's, when there's runners on base and trying to get him clean innings. I would like to see them go for a guy like that. Jordan Hicks is my target there. I would love to get Nolan Arenado, but I don't think it's going to happen. And although I would love a right-handed bat, I think Cody Bellinger is still pretty attractive as a rental player. Those would be my two guys, I think. Jordan Hicks and Cody Bellinger. Okay. To make my rant over. All right. I just don't know who I want as a right-handed bat is the problem. Uh, so for me, my number one guy that I, I want to see them aggressively pursue is Cody Bellinger. He's having a renaissance yeah. or a renaissance uh, season. Uh, he would come as a rental almost exclusively. There's no chance they would be able to afford to sign him. Uh, if they did, that would be a huge fucking coup for this team, but it's not going to happen. He should not cost very much because he's on an expiring deal. Uh, he has been hitting over 300 all season. He has power. He can steal bases. He does everything right. Um, and he's exactly what this team needs right now, which is someone who can drive the action. Um, Vladdy is underperforming for the season. Um, I don't know why I, I, we can't get into that right now, but, uh, I think Cody Bellinger is the bat that this lineup desperately needs. Imagine having him in your five spot. Good God. That mm -hmm. mean that would push Matt Chapman down to your, probably your six spot, unless he was going to go clean up. 
I know, I'm not mad at that. And then he'd be your center fielder, which means Dalton Varsho um, would probably either DH or... Uh, ride the bench a little bit more. Ride the bench a tiny bit more. And, I mean, he's he's not had a great year offensively. Yeah. Coming around a little bit, but Bellinger, I think, is a guy... I think you could toss a prospect at the Cubbies and get it. It's just, do you want to get into a bidding war over Cody Bellinger? I think you kind of have to. Um, I keep looking at pictures of Marcus Stroman, and I'm like, <laughs> baby, come back. He hasn't been good lately. I've kind of cooled off on Stroman. Fair. Uh, he got lit up yesterday against the White Sox. Uh, and he got lit up against St. Louis in his last start on July 20th. Just dropping the price down, man. Yeah, so, like, I don't know that you get very much for him anymore, um, which is fine. If we get him for cheap, he's still an improvement, a net improvement over Alec Manoa. And you can send Manoa down to work on his stuff, get his groove back, focus on 2024. Yep. Uh, see what you can do with Ryu and Stroman in the sixth spot. Um, but if the Jays are really serious, I think the man to pursue is uh, Blake Snow. I think he's okay. the guy. And if the Jays are really dead serious, like super serious, like Terminator 1 serious uh, about, <laughs> about going full in, then they give up the prospect uh you know equity to get Blake Snell and Josh Hader at the same time. Okay. That's hefty though. You yeah. that is a steep price you are going to have to pay for both those guys even if they are on expiring contracts. And that to me that's a shot across the bow of all the teams in the American League East which is you know, we know that you've had your way with us the first 27 games but uh come at us. Because Josh Hader is an elite closer, and Blake Snell is one of the best starters uh, this season in the National League. That's a shot across the bow. I like that, though. That's ballsy. Yeah. But you're going to have to say goodbye to at least one of Orelvis Martinez, Ricky Tiedemann, Brandon Beria, and uh, Otto Lopez. I think you're going you're gonna to lose some prospect capital. But I like it. I like big and splashy trades. I don't like little tiny poopy ones like i don't want to see another deal for brad hand no we don't uh, want brad want... hand no and he is available actually but we're not going to talk about that what do you think would you give up the prospect capital to get blake snell and josh Hader in one shot i think you i think you have to consider it yeah if that's what it takes and depending it really depends too on what the other teams in the division do right and other teams in this american league playoff race the angels are already loading up they already got giolito they decide they're not trading Shohei. Mike Trout's probably going to be back maybe later in August and give them another boost going into September. Yeah. And, I mean, that's that's a guy you would like to get back in your lineup if you're any team. So it's the Angels have already kind of made the first move, right? They put their chips in the middle of the table, and now somebody's got to come and take their chips from them. Could uh, you imagine getting what? Uh, at least one or two of Snell, Hader, and Bellinger, this team would be 
so much yeah. better instantaneously. That would be great. I don't know. I don't think I don't think they leave it up to chance. I actually think this is the year where they actually even though they have gutted the farm, I think this is the year where they really push the chips in and say Yeah, like, and I can see them doing trades for rental players so they don't have to give up all of their top prospects for guys with more control. Yeah. So I think that's It's a great year to trade for a rental. Yeah, and I mean the Angels. The Angels definitely overpaid a little bit for Giolito, but they had to. They they figured they felt like they had to do it. Yep. Because Otani is a free agent, and they. I wouldn't say they. I, I wouldn't say they. they I, I'd say there's a pretty good chance that he doesn't re-sign with them. Because I don't know if they'll be able to pony up for the amount of money it's going to take to sh- re-sign him, but. They went out and they made the first move, and now everyone else has to play catch up with them in this American League playoff race. So the Astros are looking for pitching. Um, I'm sure Tampa's looking for pitching because they've got some guys battling injury. Baltimore's definitely looking for pitching. So uh, everyone's out for pitching, and there's only so many starting pitchers on the market who are available. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Mets decide to trade Verlander or Scherzer and what those trades look like because they're going to have to eat some salary because both guys are making over $40 million. Um, so yeah, it's going to be curious to see how that goes too, but there's only so many pitchers to go around. It could also happen like at any moment, the Cubs could decide that they're not going to sell at which point both Bellinger and Stroman come off the table, which means the, the, the cost of Blake Snell and Josh Hader just goes up. So honestly, I like make your trade tonight. Yeah. What's the, what's the holdup? There, you you know that you know that everyone is discussing and making offers and teams are mulling their options, but you you've just got to start, and that's how the Angels got Gilito, I think, is they just they made an offer that was like too good to be true for the White Sox, and they just they pulled the trigger immediately because they felt like the Angels were giving up quite a bit of prospect capital for a rental player. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the Angels made that the Angels bet on themselves to make the playoffs and said that they're going to not trade Shohei and see if they can't get hot and go on a run for his potentially last season with them. So I think it was worth it on their, on their side of things anyway. A team that's been bad for so long. Any final thoughts? I really want Cody Bellinger on this team. I uh, yeah, I think he'd be great. I, I just, I do, the Blue just need some more thump in the lineup and a Bellinger, a guy who can play good defense and hit home runs as well which you want bats left throws left he can play center field he can yep. play first base he could dh for you yep exactly so i mean that would make it harder to find lineup space for guys like belt and Varsho on a regular basis but if that's what it takes to make this team better it is what it well, is belt belt could dh and then bellinger can play a center Center and then it's, it's KK. Even. It's KK who would probably suffer the most, probably. more than Belt, because they'd probably keep Belt in the lineup as DH. I yeah. would think. Yeah, I mean he's playing well enough. That's the only. That's my only hesitation into getting another another first baseman is you've got to find spots for Vladdy Belt and a potential Bellinger in the lineup if you're wanting to keep your outfield intact. But I think for. For Cody Bellin, it. I mean, I don't know what his defensive stats are it's, like. He's I good. He's a great defender. So then, really, you're not losing a lot by benching KK. Um, I mean, you're probably better off benching Varsho at this point, and putting Bellinger in left field if you if he's willing to play there. You know. 
So your outfield would be what? Bellinger in left, Springer in right. Who's in center? KK. KK. Yep. Batting nine. Yep. Definitely. That's lethal. Yep. That that would make yeah. That's 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 what I'm saying. Like they need to they need to add just they need to add a an everyday bat to this lineup. A guy who just deepens it. It's and Cody Bellinger, man. Yeah, it's a Cody guy who's Bellinger. producing. So yeah, he's having a great comeback season, and I, I've always liked Bellinger. So ho- I'm glad he's doing well. But uh, guess yeah. who his agent is? Scott Boris. It is. It's Scott Boris. Yeah. Previously had a bad relationship with the Jays organization. Well, no, I, would, I shouldn't okay. say bad. Yeah. He was very persistent in ways, but in recent years, he has acknowledged the fact that the Jays have opened up the wallet yeah. and paid, you know, his players. I kind of like that. Could you imagine we trade for Bellinger and find a way to extend his ass? Oh, my God. Would be interesting. I, he's got to be the guy, man. I can't think of anybody <laughs> else who's got everything we're looking for. The the only downside of him is that the positions that he plays are not the positions where we can easily slot him in, and someone yeah. has to suffer. And really, it's Dalton Varsho, who you traded for uh, in the first place. So, yeah. I don't know. It's tough, but, I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll have another three days between now and Sunday to see what moves are made and then we'll be able to do a, another little trade deadline discussion based on whoever is left on the kind of the big board by then you know but uh, you, thanks for everybody for listening find us on Twitter at BFMD Podcasts you can listen to us wherever you get your shows for Patrick out in Halifax I am Justin in Saskatoon and we will see you after the conclusion of the uh, Peacock game on Sunday <laughs>